Feather, you're cooking with gas with Dr. Tar. This is Professor Feather. This is the Midnight Gadfly. This is Dr. Head. And Wong. Spread out your mugs. It's the Blue Fest. And we're bringing yous. Fellow inmates, tonight, we're going back in time a little bit. We're going to start uh, start talking about the history of comic books. Very, uh, very exciting medium. I think some of us, uh, you know, know a little bit about comic books from some uh, previous lives. But tonight, kids, we're going way back in ancient history. Now, I know Blue Fez, we were talking earlier before the medication took effect, and you wanted to go back to France to talk about the history of the comic. Would you please tell us? I have something to say about that. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Mayored. <laughs> That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. Fromage. <laughs> Fromage. Yeah. So we're talking of comic books, talking comics. It's like, you know, we were trying to figure out where do we start this? Where do we start this discussion? And, and Dr. Head and I decided, well, we're going to throw in, you know, our start point. Like about a uh, hundred thousand million years ago, when we're talking France, let's let's talk about those cave paintings, Lescaut, Chauvet caves, those those early cave paintings that we find. That could be considered the first examples of comic art. The idea that we're telling a narrative. You know, we got to remember we have no language at this point. We have really no practical way to communicate. So we communicate visually and comics are an extension of that. This 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 sequential narrative was developed thousands of years ago in those caves and we've been building, you know, on the on the works of Oog and Og ever since. And so here we are. So yeah. And it ends up with Little Lulu. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, hey, let, let's, let's give props to her. And Oog and Og are still receiving royalties. Right. I would I, hope so, although we know a lot of those comic artists need to get there. That's so. true. They were ripped off. Yeah, I was, I was hoping to see some cave art. And you know, robot monster, you know, in the special edition, but um, that would that have been awesome. There was, uh, yeah, there was cave art in robot a monster. little Billy, yeah, painted on the wall. That's, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's yes. right. Yes. And that's how it begins, just like crop circles. Um, <laughs> romance, well, yeah. Well, you, and, you know, I think, Dr. Head, you were mentioning uh, uh, an interesting thing about the flickering lights in the caves. Um, uh, you know, and making him almost so it looks like that. You know, you would think that the the paintings, the the the, the drawings were moving. You know, because of that light. I think that was Fez, or was it Fez? Okay, one, I knew one. Somebody said it. Somebody <laughs> I heard it. it. I knew I heard it somewhere. Somebody more intelligent than me said that. Oh, okay, that could be anybody. So, <laughs> I, but I, I thought that's kind of interesting. I never really thought about that before. Mm-hmm. That 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 does make kind of kind of well. I mean, he, imagine that, that sitting sense. on that. 
and sitting in that in that cave, you know, just huddled in there, you know, around your 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 safety firelight and seeing those things. I mean, I, that might yeah. There's the first horror movie. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. yeah, and sure. now you can see them Life. why they're like absolutely why they're being drawn in like when they're leaping and jumping because then yeah. the light would make them appear yeah. to, to yeah. go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. It's like the yeah. first Viewmaster. You know, yeah. you read where yeah. some of those the first handprints, you know, with the blown handprints that they were talking about, were children. A lot of them were children. They had figured out it, which is which I thought was kind of interesting. I just thought they were the very kids. tiny people. Yes. Well, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, get out of my hair. Go, go make some handprints on the cave wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Squish that frog and put it that. You know that the mother. Came home and it's like, what the hell is this on my cave wall? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it washes off. Come on, it's I not, had to do something. Yeah. Got to keep them busy. Wash? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so we we go from cave paintings, and then we have to think what yeah. form do we want to talk about the comic books? I mean, there were comics before the first appearance of Superman in 1938. So we're talking, we're talking, you know, Victorian era, yep. Tijuana. Um, Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and these were like newspaper comic strips. And, and I mean, the tradition of doing comic strips goes back into Tijuana. No, I'm <laughs> yes. Well, well yeah. We but, then, back, and, but then you took that even like a political, little political lampooning and satire. Well, That's single early panel comics. Single panel comics. Single panel was the first, you know, mm -hmm. the, and primarily you know, satirical. Uh, political commentary. It was, that was uh, the, that, yeah. Roman graffiti was the like the first that they really know. That's of, of it yeah. Oh, that's they, true. There yeah. were. I love that band. <laughs> um, sucks. Yeah. Biggest that band starred Kurt Gobang. <laughs> <laughs> the third biggest dickus no, only once. This picture. He only went bang once. I know. <laughs> yeah, he's someone's drawing penises he, all over Rome. He was a know? one one bang artist. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that, I forgot about the Roman. That's true. Yeah, and and yeah, that was the kind of satirical and, uh, yeah, and very lewd. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. Romans were pretty lewd. They were really lewd. And yet poetic. No, I'm just <laughs> The geometry of that penis was just awesome. <laughs> yeah, in the 1800s, you know, when, when, you know, the single panel comics started coming out, you know, and mostly political, you know, um, I think that's that, you know, started that, you know, people thinking about that. Just, right. So then when was the first, like the first uh, strip comic, when were those? Well, everybody know. I, I, so I guess it again. It depends on your your definition because I I I think because there there seems to be a sort of a branch here. We've got what what Americans what the American new publishing industry brought because I mean we really kind of jump started this whole process. The the single panel comics being done in like you know European newspapers have been around for a while, but we <clears> don't start seeing what's considered the first comic strip until like about the 1800s and there's a big there's industry a, a, yeah the <laughs> adventures of mr obadiah old book by rudolf topper who was a swiss cartoonist who many consider the sort of grandfather of comic strip artists and he sort of developed this sort of sequential narrative and his work was brought over to the united states and reproduced i think illegally i don't think he got 
permission for this, but <laughs> it it took off. I mean, no and royalties. I think this goes hand in hand with the sort of rise of newspapers in the United States, where you start seeing this, like the the, the printing technology becomes bigger. Lithography. Yeah, they get lithography right. where they can rep- reproduce right. drawings as opposed to like engravings and stuff. Exactly. And then you, I think, you know, you've got the, a few of these people who start seeing the power of this and starting to buy up newspaper, you know, Hearst and whatnot. But I think as we see the development of the printing technology and newspapers, we start seeing comic strips being brought in as a way to sort of, you know, kind of goose the newspaper, make it a little bit more, you know, interesting because otherwise it's just this giant wall of text and you know with uh, the lithography that we can get from illustrators but then we start seeing comics brought in so the 1904 and 1842 with Obadiah Oldbuck is like the considered the first comic strip but it's not American it was reprints when is uh, uh, I keep I was reading where the golden bat was like one of the first superhero comic books that was like 18 something or other wasn't it Am I wrong about that? It was a long. It does. Yeah, it looks weird. It was. It, was, the, it, was it a fiction then? Was it? Yeah, it was like a Japanese. Stories? Yeah. Well, okay. Oh yeah. They I had. They, yeah. they told it on what I don't know what the Japanese ver- what they call it, but it was like a street theater told in a series of pictures that they would tell on the street oh, for okay. kids or stories or whoever. Interesting. But anyway, the Golden Bat popped up I, there. Yeah. And then I, it's, yeah. 1931, uh, Japan, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I was not aware. But I think it goes this... back before that. I mean, as like I was saying, in that kind of a sequential art. That's on the how street. it started. Then once we right. got the we got the form of putting it in the in the the, magazine the character the itself, trend, you know, made it to comics and comic movies and all that stuff. Yeah. But anyway, I was I just I throw that in there just because I was reading about that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's that's the next step in the evolution is we have these these superhero stories that can then begin to transition from text or oral stories, oral history into pictures. You know, like before we had oral tradition when stories were being told and they were written down, like like the heroes of like you know Olympus and uh, you know the Ali. Iliad and the Odyssey, and you know, every culture has its set of the heroes. But then, as we get to the, like we had mentioned, the printing press and those things, sequential picture art really didn't start coming around to the Victorian area, uh, Victorian area. Um, but then we started having the influence of the pulp characters that were written uh, in in form, novelized form. When talking about like Kazar and the Shadow and the Spider and the Black Bat, the Phantom, you know. Um, these these characters then also became like the comic strips where they would do the three panel stories uh, some of these and and i think then the first like book of these comics uh, was a famous funnies i think they'll yeah. put out um and these were just yeah the reprints of all these other comic books so they were kind of following in that tradition that you had mentioned blue fez and that's really where our first comic books came pre-superhero uh official superhero um, with some of these pulp, pulp heroes. Yeah, I think a lot of it is a product of the industrial revolution, and then the printing process, and then distribution, because the, all those those three things became uh, imperatives for business. 
So comic, uh, so strips, you really couldn't have a strip with the old way that you had a comic because you wouldn't have that strip the story till maybe two weeks later, a month later. Um, and you were only getting like that paper that was in your local town. It was nothing that was being distributed all over the place. Yeah. So I think that's where I see comics and comic books are uh, a product of mass uh, production. Right, yeah, started with uh, William Randolph first and yeah. yellow journalism. Yeah, which, uh, that, yeah, that that's pretty much what brought it all into into uh, the grand scheme. And then I think once we develop the four color offset printing process, that really kickstarts the the war in comics, <laughs> the war in comics uh, between publishers. Because once you you get that ability to do that four color offset printing process you get that vibrancy and then you've got newspaper publishers fighting against one another to get you know the biggest the brightest whatever's going to pull eyes to their you know subscribers you know to their, their readership there and then that's when you really start seeing what can be done with the medium and i think that's then dovetails from famous funnies into those early pulp style comic books you know as we see in you know superman you know 1938 you know because we've all seen them those just bright vibrant colors which had such a profound yeah. impact on the industry and in some cases <clears throat> how it was presented going forward in other media yeah super i mean superman's all primary colors yeah. you know that's as we can print it out <laughs> you know um no that's yeah that, that's true that's true because uh, yeah because the other the before that, then we still, I mean, I remember like when I was studying comic books years ago, the the Yellow Kid, which was yes. like late 1890s. Yes. You know, um, that was like one of those early newspaper, pulpy newspaper um, strips that were they're coming out. <clears throat> so between, like you said, mentioned Hearst and uh, um, Pulitzer. Pulitzer, yeah. Pulitzer. Going out, yeah. And I thought that that's kind of awesome that they were fighting and like looking for ways of bringing more people in. And then comics were one of the ways and showing off this color, that was enough to bring people to their comic, you know, to their paper. So I have a hardbound copy of the Yellow Kid. Nice. Uh, those early, early comics was pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, it's a big oversized hardbound book. Um, but, uh, that was I, I thought that was pretty interesting yeah i love those over those big oversized bound books of those stuff like i have the uh flash gordon al williamson yeah and it's mm -hmm. black and white and you're like i would not want to see it in color you know you get panels that are in color but his line work is so beautiful so yeah. meticulous that like you know you, it'd have to be a really good colorist to to go in and yeah. you know not ruin the, the black and white it's, it's the same it's, thing it's that's like, like Bernie Wrightson. Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then we got those uh, uh, Windsor McKay, those large over, you know, large oversized books of some of his stuff was yeah. just mm -hmm. stunning. <laughs> the, I think the one, I mean, I remember we're jumping ahead here, but that's okay. We're just kind of doing a cursory look at, at comic books. <laughs> but uh, uh, one thing that the colorization, I think, helped was when EC Comics brought their comics out in the early 90s and there were reprints of oh, yeah. all yeah. their titles and they were all in full color because before they were just black and white yeah yeah um but i think that made a huge difference in these really gruesome stories because i it just conveys the gruesomeness of it a little bit more yeah. you know yeah <clears throat> i remember getting a lot of those in in your uh, some uh, hidden realms picking those up back in the day <laughs> 
I think yeah. I read them all before you got them. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they had your fingerprints all over them. And yeah, maybe some saliva did. or something. They could. <laughs> I don't know. I know some oh, of the pages God, are sticky. That's all that. I know. <laughs> That's right. Where did I? Where did I lose my gum? So I, I have a question. So like the earliest superheroes or super like comics, we talk about the Phantom, uh, talk about the Shadow. Um, most of those guys are mostly like a mystical or some sort of. Uh, isn't that more of like where they derive their powers? Whereas when does the, like the science superhero, <clears throat> the science hero, come in? Well, I think other than Doc Savage, who's got. His, I don't. I don't. I mean, the Phantom science, has no superpowers. No, he doesn't. No. He has uh, the spider, the shadow. Uh, um, uh, there was Mandrake the Magician. Mandrake the Magician right. had, had yeah. powers. But, like, the Phantom, he just has the tail, the ghost who walks. Like, the man, the ghost who, you know, who never dies. Because it's an ongoing series of phantoms. Like, from the original Phantom, who was, you know, bound to fight pirates. And then his lineage. So, every Phantom kind of takes off where you know the father passes the mantle the phantom on and so to the sun and and so you have this the idea the phantom has been around for 400 years so he obviously can't die and that's part of the mythos but there is no nothing supernatural about him as a character you know, so this is bronze brain and good old american firepower doesn't he have like guidance from some sort of a ghost or something like that or he, he could speak sometimes the ghosts of his of his predecessors or his father will, will what kind of that's kind of supernatural. Or he's crazy. <laughs> or he's crazy. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm crazy. Yeah, maybe. No, yeah. I, never, like, I hadn't thought about that. So that maybe there was. Out in the jungle in tights. And, uh, <laughs> and... But, okay, but you bring up a good point because for in like American culture, the Phantom is the first superhero clad in what we now know as superhero attire. The form-fitting yeah. costume, trunks on the outside, and a mask with no pupils. <laughs> crazy he's true yeah he's, he is the first and, american superhero to get that and when you look at skull island uh or the skull cave and the other yes. things on the island there could be a supernatural element because not only do we have the phantom and and uh, the the bantu people but we also have dinosaurs on the island so perhaps perhaps you oh you there's dinosaurs you hit, oh, well. yeah you hit something on the head there uh Professor Feather, maybe maybe there is something supernatural to, on the island anyway. Danger Island, huh? From and, the banana yeah. split. Yeah. Well, yeah, somebody it, nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, then Fez, didn't you mention Popeye earlier before we started the? So, okay, so okay, okay. I I was I was going to bring this up because I wasn't sure how we were going to formulate this, but when you talk about superheroes, I, I, many people will immediately point to Superman as being the first costume superhero which is not true that distinction goes to the phantom but if we're talking about a character that embodies what we now know as superhero as being sort of morally forthright and protecting the innocent and having abilities that come from an unusual source that could then you could then say well that distinction goes to Popeye as the sort of first sort of American superhero. And he was costumed too, so. Well, <laughs> yes, and, and the funny thing about that is, is um, he wasn't Bull. even in the Navy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, he wasn't. Yeah. He was a, yeah, he was a lumber. Yeah, it was a barbershop quartet. <laughs> I was, uh, so, you know, and, and Seeger, the, the guy that created um, Popeye, the it, uh, Thimble Theater, if I remember correctly, is the name of the strip. And Popeye doesn't show up until like 1929 as a bit player yeah. in a story because one of the characters has to go to this island and they need to hire this What's sailor it? and there he is and they they 
Popeye takes him, but he became so popular that they they people demanded more of him, and the strip eventually just revolved around him. Now, it, isn't that kind of weird? I mean, to focus in on that character, I, if you're I, gonna. You know, in the midst of, I'm assuming, other weird characters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> just, it, it is. It's just I, kind of a lark, you know, just... Uh, I think that's it's funny. just, I, I don't know if it was just the... It was just this, like, you know, gruff sailor with this really kind of odd speech impediment, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and 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 his and his early abilities, he wasn't spinach-based. It was, he had... And read into Never this... onions. One. No, no, read into this what you will. There was a character, her name was Bernice the Wiffle Hen, and he would rub her head for good luck and, and get weird powers like that. He was just an orderly good luck. And then, but somehow rubbing a hen sort of translated into eating spinach, and then the spinach would give him sort of the enhanced strength and speed. And right. you got to have something less bestial. Yeah, and I don't. I don't. I thought, I thought it was a push to to get kids to eat spinach because no I, one like cooked spinach I, in schools. That's I, what I. I mean, that was the four, that was the urban myth that I grew up hearing. The, you know, like maybe it was. That's why, but it, that's weird. I didn't know about the hen. Yeah, I thought it was always spinach. Hen. Yeah, no, it, it, really? it somehow it just. And he always had the giant arms, the forearms. Yeah. He, oh yeah, always. Well, when you look at the early art, they're not as pronounced. But they're there. But then, as time goes on, up. you can tell them get bigger, and then, of course, that gets cemented when the Fleischer brothers do the suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Animated. That br- that brings in the, the they whole, were iron uh, deposits. The, the, you know the <laughs> that that uh, that connection between film, yeah. you know, and and comic books. You know, yeah. that's always that's been there from almost the beginning. You know, of, of film mm-hmm. filmmaking too. Uh, trying to yeah, translate animated stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right, Feather. I mean, when I look, I think about the Fleischer Popeye cartoons. Those, that, those I, are the ones I love. I mean, you, they're yeah. just a, a visual that, feast. Yeah. So much going on. Me to Popeye. Yeah. yeah I mean, all I the Fleischer cartoons, though. Yeah. Oh, not just yeah, Popeye. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's how that's how I started. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. the Fleischer Superman until much later. But I, I was never a fan of Popeye. I wasn't. I didn't really care about the character. But those ones were mesmerizing. I yeah. would just watch them because there's so much going on. They're so lush and beautiful. That I I could just so I mean even today they're just you just sit back and go wow you, you just don't see animation like I mean this was a right. golden era for these guys yeah. to, like hit it the best and the Fleischers were like that, top of their craft. they were the top yes. yeah that table mm-hmm. animation that they yes. did with the, the, the turntable the, animation the oh stuff. yeah that is so awesome yeah, they, they use that a lot and uh, what was it the uh, the Sinbad one yes or yeah, yeah colored the Popeye and Sinbad yeah and that that's one, absolutely it's, gorgeous it you know? is and they use that and the colors and stuff are just so it's cool stunning. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Betty they, Betty Boop. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Is Betty Boop stuff? Yeah. They used a lot of that in the Betty Boop. And that's Popeye's first appearance. Is it? Yes, a Betty Boop it was cartoon. in a Betty Boop cartoon. Yeah. Right. And they did some. Uh, I what it was. I don't think it was Betty Boop. Who's the uh, one prior to that? That kind of a knockoff of Mickey Mouse, Oswald. Oh, that was Disney's first attempt. Yeah, Not Oswald. Oswald. It wasn't rabbit. Oswald. It was part of the Flusher stuff. It, it was. Oh, like, um, is it Bosco? Maybe. But anyway, they had uh, uh, who was it that sang uh, Benny the Moocher? Oh, and anyway, when they did uh, the rotoscope for the Cap ghost Calloway, thing, Cap yeah, Calloway. that's it. Yeah, and they do. A, he's singing that, but he's like in a ghost. They make this ghost character, yeah. and he, but they rotoscope him dancing. Yeah. And that's one of the best cartoons them. ever. <laughs> I think Pretty I love cool. that cartoon. Yeah. But anyway, but oh, then nice. from from. You're talking Superman 1930 to get into actual comic books. 
um, <clears throat> then where does it go from there? Well, that's that's what's triggered what's called the, the Golden Age, 1938. The first appearance of, of Superman in Action Comics number one triggers what is now referred to as the Golden Age, which runs from 1938 to around 1956. Um, and that's where we start seeing a, DC and Marvel both putting out well, timely. And timely, yeah. Timely, <laughs> Ti- timely right. the early version of Marvel. Yeah, and then yes. also Fawcett. Uh, Dell was continuing yeah. to put out stuff. I mean, there were a lot of comic book publishers because Superman just took off like gangbusters because, you know, yeah. it was just ridiculous. Uh, what a- Gangbusters, wasn't that a comic book strip? Yeah, I think, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We first see- issue, got it. In the Golden Age, we see the first appearances, uh, you know, as far as like DC goes, we've got superman and batman and joker and wonder woman and uh flash and green lantern and what year did batman come out uh 40 1940 i think i thought that was 30 30 was that 39 in detective comics 27 i think was that was it 39 i know 49 when he got his own oh it was yeah yeah, Yeah, i thought it was a little earlier but yeah his own batman came out in 40 the the comic book title came out in 40 i believe but his first appearance is in detective Detective comics Comics 27 27. yeah because detective comics it was they were again they were following on the the pulp kind of style which a lot of those pulp heroes were like solving crimes it was a detective kind of stuff right. like dick tracy and slam bradley <laughs> yeah exactly so that was it was a natural progression to take these stories and put them in visual form um so yeah then we we have all these classic classic dc but you know characters that you're intru- introduced to hawkman the sandman yeah. um just so many wonderful characters i love the golden era because it's so violent i mean <laughs> There's, there's just, and it's just like they hadn't yeah. figured things out, like what yeah. was pushing the buttons too far. That didn't happen until like the 1950s. But what we have is, I, I remember reading like an issue. It might have been Hawkman. Might have been Hawkman. And like the cover shows him like holding up someone, like to drop him off of a, off of edge of a building, and like the caption saying like this is a fitting end for a criminal like you i'm like oh fuck this is that's awesome i want more superheroes to be just dropping people off buildings that's the way to go hawk man well i remember um, an early then you Super- had to wait till the boys but that was <laughs> exactly <laughs> i remember an early superman tale when he was uh he's trying to wring information out of a guy and he's like grabs him and he's like He's like, you know, I wonder if I can jump to this other building because this is before Superman could fly. Until then, he was just basically jumping. jumping, Yeah, and Mm -hmm. he jumps, and he's like, "Oh, we're not going to make it!" The guy is screaming. (laughs) I'm like, "Wow!" And he goes, "Oh, oh, we almost hit those power lines. That would have been bad." And I'm thinking, "Oh, dude, this this is kind of hardcore." (laughs) Look out! Here comes the Hulk. I just (laughs) well, didn't Batman carry a gun for a while too? Yes, yeah, Batman. Yes, he always had that insane smile on his face like he was yeah. just so happy fighting crime not yeah. the not the dour you know batman we have now he didn't become grim the dark knight until the 70s took over yeah um well i think what we see we, these early characters <laughs> he was are, known are, as the gleeful knight early because, <laughs> exactly because superman i mean even though he starts in 1938 it's not until the 1950s 20 years later that the real origin story gets cemented you know, there's all these different origin starts, but it's not until what's going to be called the Silver Age um, that we start seeing the solidification of his story. You know, the Krypton myth and narrative, a kryptonite, a Superman's powers finally get codified. Like, what can he do? And we realize, well, he can do pretty much anything. And then we're going to give him uh, x-ray vision and then heat vision. Uh, yeah, why not? Um, 
you know, so that's when those things become solidified. But the, the but the golden age is is so kind of it's raw and it's kind of carefree, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and characters like the Sandman who, who has a gun that like puts people to sleep, you know, that's his, that's his power. He's just a regular guy who fights crime, puts on a mask and, or a, a, like a, an, an air, was it a, a gas mask? Yes. That's mask, what he, yeah. that's so, what he wears, but he's got this cool fedora. That's because know, he's like shooting gas at other Shoot, people. Yeah. He's shooting yeah. gas at the, people. The mad gasser out. of Madden 2. That's what <clears> that's yeah, other, that's, that uh, cryptid character. You ever, you ever read that? The Mad Gasser? There's like reports around this uh, was Illinois town of someone gassing people at night and someone reported seeing someone run away with a gas mask and wow. all that. There was like a, wow. yeah, it was this was like in the 40s, maybe? Late 40s? Anyway. Mm. Anyway, that's what sounds like Sandman, but you know. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Well, I, I had, I wanted to bring back something that uh, Professor Feather had mentioned earlier, the, you know, where we were talking about just animation and its ties to comic art. As we're stepping into the golden age, let's bring in the the influence of radio into comic art. Well, because yeah. a lot of the things that were sort of codified in Superman's origin were came from the radio show. You know, his ability to fly, I mean, that really kind of came in from the radio show. They They changed that. Um, because to so, show action, they had to have a whistling sound to convey what was going on. Like we have to have yeah. transitions between one thing or the next, and we can't right. have this boing sound. <laughs> oh, or, the, or, the, or it was or more this. thrilling. Yeah. And, that, and that's why be. they that's why they you know had the cape <laughs> put on him so yeah. that he could it would show motion much better. That's why he was given a cape. You know, like oh, we got to show him having flying, you know, jumping, leaping. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> we can we can't have those whistling sounds bookended by a lot of because uh, that that's just going to sound weird and wrong. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Kellogg is not going to be sponsoring the Superman radio show <laughs> with all the grunting going. On. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. We need a graham cracker company to calm the calm the grunting. But I think um, uh, I think the other yeah. thing that's interesting Terra, about that tiny town yeah. that yeah <laughs> that kind of era. The interesting one of the things that's interesting is that um, there was no continuity. There was no uh, you know yeah. there was very rarely a continuation from one comic to the next. Um, there was no paying attention to what happened 10 comics ago and had to happen here because there was no collecting. It was just not picking in it DC. up. That, that didn't yeah, come well, until Marvel. Yeah, well, Marvel, that's the 60s, but that's what I'm saying. The Golden, Golden Age. Age Marvel did that, though. Right from the beginning of Marvel Comics, when he introduced the, the, the Human Torch, um, you know, which is a, you know, like a robot, a cyborg. like And, and Submariner, um, yeah. And Submariner, they have an ongoing feud in those early Marvel tales, fighting over a girl, you know, for the most part. And so, so, you know, Namor shows up as the first mutant before mutants were even coined. But here here he is fighting. You got the fire and the water going against each other. But there there was a continuity that Marvel were timely. Um, Atlas, that's that was there from the get-go, which I was really surprised when I started reading those books. Whereas DC didn't give a shit yeah, about really. continuity, not no. until like... Not till like I think early seventies, really, honestly. Yeah, probably. When 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 the new DC took over, when Superman started getting a little darker, Batman was getting darker. They just started Everybody's really there. trying to say we gotta we gotta have an ongoing story. Whereas Marvel early on had a continuing saga, and then with Captain America too, when he was brought in, his stories built upon one another and referencing back and forth, because um, you know he and Bucky both had lives outside of those roles, so. I, I think that was always part of it, which is probably why 
when Stan Lee took over, because he was a young kid working for Marvel, like writing stories, like at the age of 12, I think he started working at Timely, uh, you know, Alice, um, and then like writing stories and doing stuff. That was probably instilled in him. The, the idea of all this like story building was just percolating in his head. Yeah, and that was all because of propaganda. Uh, a lot of that stuff was comics that were created and written based on World War II and during World War II. Oh. And what they yeah. did, it was a priority to have those comics shipped to the, the troops wherever they were um, and on a regular basis. So they were going, OK, we have an audience now, you know, and they would literally even if you watch what Band of Brothers, they go, do you have that issue of this or that or whatever, you know, um, because they were like, what, five cents, ten cents. And they would, they'd roll them up and put them in their back pocket and all that kind of stuff. They didn't give a shit about any kind of collecting, but. They had something to look forward to, yeah. You know, while they were out there, they're like, "I'm gonna get back to R and R, and I'm gonna have a girl, a drink, and a comic book, <laughs> and, and and Captain Marvel, yeah, yeah. Captain <laughs> yeah. Marvel." Well, yeah. You talk about, you know, let's go back again, you know, into the '40s, um, and 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 then especially into the '50s, and get away from the superhero comic books, uh, the western comic books were very popular they were very popular and so were war comic books um i remember when i was a romance and romance romance Mm -hmm. um i never would yeah and that that's true Um, i read i read a lot of western comic books when i was a kid too you know um in the 50s in the late 50s early 50s late 50s um and then until i discovered the uh the superhero comics and but i then i, I kind of read them read them all and then so also that favorite? also gets into the other ones like uh you know the little lulu and the archie comics you know oh yeah like, tremendously 40s. tremendously popular those were tremendously popular mm-hmm. um you know way before the you know the superhero uh fad came along um i just wanted to throw that in there you know that superheroes weren't the only comics so, that were going at the time by any your, means no what no there's never lots of genres trend? My favorite Western was uh, um, um, the Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger comic. I, I really like Paul Pirro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked it. And then there was a couple of. But, and he's know, kind I, of a superhero. Uh, kind of guy. What was the other one? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there were several of them that I, I remember I read on a Jonah Hex. Semi Jonah Hex. Yeah, semi regular basis. You know, back then. Right. But I read when I was a kid. You know, I read everything from Little Lulu to Wendy. You know, all right. of those uh, Archie the Archie comics. Mm-hmm. I read all of those plus you know whatever else I could get. When over. did Archie start? Uh, around the 1940s, the, I think. Yeah, 1940s, yeah. as a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah. Early, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was 40s. Yes. Yeah, it's I been always around pictured forever. him being 50s or something. Yeah, like no, I think it, yeah, it just uh, started in the 40s. I love those comics. And I, if you, mm-hmm. it's really fun to go back and watch the originals and then get up to the point where I started reading them and how they had changed, you know, yeah. even though yeah. they were still set like in a, a di- that time period. They, I don't know. They just, they look way, way different. And what, Archie himself wasn't even like the same, was he, when they first started out? I don't know. I think he always had the freckles and stuff, but I think over yeah. time, most characters kind of start with something and then they morph into a more finalized form as people yeah. draw them over time. Like they're like certain things that stand out, like yeah. we like this characteristic and they, they the kind hair. of becomes part of that character. But he always had, I think, the red hair and the freckles. Yeah, Archie's great. Was that uh, TV uh-huh. show that they had, uh, Riverdale? <laughs> right. Like they took the Archies and kind of made it dark or the comics went dark too um the archie because when it did its final run um you know 50 some years of uh or even longer god 
I want to say more, but Archie finally kind of had a had ran out the, the title original title because it split it off to about thirty different titles. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Jughead and Betty and Veronica and Sabrina. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone, every character had their own line. Plus, there was like, you know, Archie laughs and TV laughs and like just a dozen laughs. Different comics. Archie, but digest. Archie's, Archie's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but and they're all they're all fun. They're all just good. the same kind of gentle humor. Um, but also a lot of reflective what was going on in the culture at the time. The styles, the clothing would change, or they're talking about things, the language would change. But then then when Archie had its run, they kind of let it go for a while, let it die down, and they came back with a much more relevant, darker, more realistic series. Um, even the, the way the characters are drawn are completely different. It's not cartoony at all. It's very, you know, very realistic looking series. So Archie Comics is still going strong. That's the, you know, the... the the evolution of comic i mean it has to go somewhere and and you mm -hmm. know we're we you know what you get into that whole system you know of and there again which brings in you know in in the late 50s you know the actual marvel um and and the superheroes that they start bringing in uh, the fantastic four mm -hmm. um you know and that you know and that's a whole uh, you know that's a whole different that's a paradigm shift in comic books in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, it just it, the, their appeal goes in a whole different direction. And, you know, they're looking at a different kind of at, at an older audience, actually. You know, um, they're looking at the teen audience. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. the earlier comics were made, you know, not really they were not even considered readable by anybody over 10 years old you know exactly that was what they were meant for and if you read comics when you were 50 you were special right you know <laughs> yeah. no yeah uh, you're yeah, absolutely no, right yeah, yeah. That, that was considered child entertainment and you're absolutely right and and it shows because in the 50s after we get the whole seduction of the innocent debacle um, yes <laughs> you know i i think a lot of comic people or comic readers today don't realize that we almost lost the entire industry in the 1950s yes superman was thank you frederick uh, wortham yeah i mean all of this stuff was tanking i mean dc had successfully sued Fawcett into oblivion so we lost you know captain marvel so we things were just dropping like flies and i i you know feather you're absolutely right when when marvel sort of reemerges in the late 50s and they they go okay we're gonna we're gonna kind of skew a little bit older here i think that was absolutely the right decision for them because well they're still here <laughs> you, know? But, you know and before yeah. that they had stopped doing it was not too long after world war ii that, that you start seeing captain america just dry up and go right. away because the 50s was pretty much romance and western um, yeah. And then so from the late degree. 50s, yeah, then we started seeing the monster titles yeah. that Stanley was writing, you know, pre pre releasing those. Yeah. Like, where you know, it was always like dwell. Grog, you know, and all the monsters yeah. look like Suspense. the same. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, same story, but it was just it's same monster. story, just a different, <laughs> slightly different coloration on the monster. Yeah. He only has two heads. Uh, beware of Ook. <laughs> yeah, and those are just <laughs> yes. like. Those are fantastic, fun reads. They're just yeah. fun. Quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you're right, Feather. The, the renaissance that comes in in the 60s with with stanley and and revising re, uh, sorry revising these old characters bringing them back into a more modern telling and uh it's just like a renaissance well and the key books. character for marvel go ahead uh 
midnight you're gonna say something i was just gonna say that uh, the 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 thing that happened with that was that uh, the continuity that i was talking about went amongst all of the titles uh, so they tried to create some sort of universal continuity um and mm-hmm. they uh they were the first ones to really kind of give uh, a lot of story to the secret identity right so you had the the, pro- the yeah. real world problems and then the superhero and then do I want to be a superhero? <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry. yeah. Well, the, the stories were, the characters were more human than the ones that DC were made. The DC right. would focus on the powers. The but Marvel was talking about yeah. the people who have powers. Yeah. It was more about Peter Parker. I, I was more concerned about him. He's a very, well, you know, empathetic, sympathetic character because I was a kid too reading it. But we care about his real life. He has real problems coupled on top of, of getting all these superpowers, you know. It's, yeah, it's it became not- it became true melodrama. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Peter Parker, you know, and I, I what, what was the first when would did when did Peter Parker first show up? Amazing Tales, or it was Amazing what, Fantasy? Yeah, what, 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 what year was that? Nineteen sixty. Well, no, 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 no. Sixty. No, yeah, it was, it was earlier than that. Was this but, earlier um, in 64? 60, 60, 63. No, sixty-three. Was it that I think, early? I think Amazing Spider-Man came out from nineteen sixty-three. I think it was the 62. first Amazing Spider-Man. Sixty-two. So, so okay. Amazing 62. Fantasy was sixty-two. 62. Yeah, sixty-two. Uh, issue fifteen. Yeah. Now, I, so I was twelve years old when that came out, um, and. You know, that particular comic, to me, in the whole Marvel lexicon, that's the comic that made them what they are. That Because that's the one that they, I think they, they had in, they went into the bullpen and they said, look, let's make something for the teenagers. You know, let's make something that's, you know, appeals to them because these are the kids, these were the kids that were reading comic books earlier. Now we want to keep these kids. You know, we want to keep them. How do we keep them? Well, let's make a comic book about a teenage superhero who has every fucking problem this that a teenager has and as a teenager 12 and getting into 13 you know i mean absolutely hooked perfect you know perfect i read that i read peter i read spider-man before i read anything else um of the marvels i read a lot i read almost all of the marvels because because of, of Actually, not because of Peter Parker, because of the Fantastic Four. Because I read the fan, the Fantastic Four, what, 57 when it came out? Or was it in the Oh, I thought that was like... Appearance so it's 60, 61. 61, yeah. It's, uh, 62. Oh, is it so 61? Got, was it yeah. 61? Oh, yeah. man, I thought Marvel it was Marvel was still doing stuff. But I was thinking 59 books. for some reason. Yeah. 61. Anyway, so 60, 61. That's when I first, you know, really became aware of it in in whatever episode that, or that what comic did it come out in? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, Fantastic Four. No, it wasn't Fantastic else. Four. Is one of Tales of Suspense. Of, Tales of Suspense or something. Maybe it was one a Tales of, those. of Suspense. One. I don't like think that? it was, but one of those anyway. But yeah, it, but that's that's up. when I really started getting. Yeah, no, getting I think it's just Fantastic Four one. No, it I is. thought there. No, yeah. there was a book. Is it? I thought they were. You sure no. they didn't come out? Well, in a, there was the Jack Kirby thing that he did. Uh, something of the unknown, the adventures of the unknown, that was very much like Fantastic Four. That was yeah, like for, two or three years DC. earlier. Challengers, DC, Challengers yeah. of the unknown. Challengers yeah. of the unknown. Maybe yeah. that's what I. Maybe that's what I. But, I remember. Uh, yeah, that one was actually well, Fantastic Four that. number one, and that was their. That was the the flagship Marvel um, book. Was Fantastic okay, Four number me, one? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I think I remembered the other and, and just you know kind of transferred it. But yeah, read that. But then when. Um, Spider-Man was was you know the the, the big one for me, um, 
just and for I think for everybody, I think they that was really the key title, and that brought everybody in. And then they started kind of kind of modeling everything on on almost all of all of that that uh, style, you know. Uh, well, see, what I liked about him as a as a kid because I loved the banter. He's like making jokes while he's fighting. He's like you know yeah. putting insults down on the on the villain, um, you know. And it was very easy to get hooked on the action, the 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 pathos the melodrama you know all those things that that come in it was everything that a, a kid could want to read and that's why i was hooked too that was my favorite comic you know character and book growing up although i loved marvel i read dc it wasn't as it didn't resonate with me as much as marvel but what dc did to kind of predicate this what what launches the silver age is the reappearance of the new updated characters like the flash, flash which was not jay garrick but now was was barry, barry allen, allen. Barry allen yeah. the new origin store we had a new um you know green lantern you know hal jordan took over we we had new incarnations of these golden age characters which really invigorated because that's the flash those are the characters i knew growing up it wasn't until much later that i you know when i heard about the golden age and i would get these great hundred page books with reprints that i would read these golden age stories like why does this guy look like the ftd flower man oh you know? <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing running really fast you know but that that's when the era that i remember growing up reading as a kid and then realizing there was a much richer history so dc kind of reinvigorated their old line and then here comes stanley to just blast it out of the water with characters who are act like they're human beings you know well, i mean do you remember, like, because we're younger and didn't have these comics when we were, you know, we were, we're not even born yet, but our exposure to those comics were those little digests that were like, yes. that were uh, yeah. paperback novel size, yeah. you know, and you mm -hmm. had to like have your nose like, this yeah, close to it to so, read any of the so yeah. small. But or they, they had are, the over, big oversized ones that you could get too when you were a little yeah. kid that had like the real simple stuff yeah. about the artwork. But you there. couldn't hide those in class, you know, you, no, could, you, have, could, you, you could have those little ones down <laughs> right. in your lap and you'd be like, yeah, I'm paying attention. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah that, I, yep. Go ahead, Fess. Oh, I was going to say, I remember getting a lot of those out of the library, the, the big compendiums and stuff like that. I wanted to go back to Spider-Man for a second. One of the things that I always appreciated is that you think about the, the notion of secret identities. And I always <laughs> like the Fantastic Four because they're like, why? Let's not even bother. They're, they are who they are. They're, they're a family and you treat them as a family, but they're superheroes. And then you get Peter Parker. Spider-Man, who has to have the secret identity to protect the ones that he loves, but you are equally invested in both sides of the personality, the Spider-Man character and Peter Parker, because, you know, you relate, obviously relate to the one, you, you kind of wish fulfillment for the other, but, you know, when you think about Superman and Clark Kent, and that's always been the issue with me, is that the writers who can't give any voice to clark kent who can't give that humanity back to him and it's so most people just like meh who cares about clark kent well you have to and that's what i always liked about spider-man grant morrison cares about clark kent no yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> that, that's a whole other discussion but that's one of the things about spider-man that i always liked is that i was equally invested in both sides of that story you know because you know he's he's just trying to get the girl he just wants to get some money to buy a car and it's like you know we all went through that we all remember that he just wants a, to pass his exam exactly Doesn't god damn it doc Ock, i gotta study and, 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 he's got, and he's got this, this Can guy give me a hand? Who's, who's making his life miserable, and he could kill him with just a flick of his wrist, and he can't. And it's like, you know, 
much most of us can't relate to that but you know we have bullies in life and that's you know i i always admired that about the spider-man titles and the marvel titles that they yeah they were infinitely more relatable as people you know as as people you he's know. not uh, he's not spider-man is not intrinsically good he has to become good because yeah, of the true. whole thing with his uncle ben you know not yeah. stopping the the criminal that kills yeah. his uncle ben and he could have prevented that whole thing which and is that's, that's interesting too i mean just for an origin well, here's here's a good on. here's a little bit of a side on that. I used to own a comic book called Hidden Realms, and one day, he did one of one of my customers, uh, a gentleman that uh, Doctor Head knows quite well. Well, I think, uh, and, and Tar may know him, knows him, uh, a gentleman named Tim Bean. Uh, would come into my store quite a bit and and stand for quite some time up by the counter and talk to me about comic books primarily. And I remember one conversation that was probably two or three hours long where he went in depth into uh, Uncle Ben. And he started talking. Tim Bean is like an encyclopedia when it comes to this stuff. And he started talking. He he said his hypothesis was that uh, Uncle Ben was a secret agent, a spy. And he started telling me, he said, look at panel four on page three of spider deal there's a little camera on there it's a little miniature cam he he laid out this whole argument that for uncle ben and it was very logical and i went oh damn you know <laughs> i just thought it was a great two or two hour conversation well, I, have, I have a question uh, because not a conversation i take i think your response it was, was, it, was huh. it was a it was a it was a ted it was a tim talk well, it was a tim talk it was. i wonder if that's a theory that other people share because uh, in the andrew garfield oh. uh, part of the spider-man movies his parents were Yes, we're yeah, secret agents. Right. They incorporate that into the. Uh, I, I'm, and I'm sure Tim just sat back and grinned ear to ear when he saw that. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that was part of the ultimate Spider-Man. I thought that's if I remember right. correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which they yeah. Then yeah. incorporated yeah. into that. Into amazing, the, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, the, the original line, right? And, yeah. and once again, I might say, huh. <laughs> well, Tim, Tim and I, you know, we lived together for a couple of years, and so we we often talked about comic books, and that was just, you know, that was one of the things we talked about in depth, and I was just amazed at his retention yes i know bill he could read something and then like yes. kept memory like perfect memory and then his ability to synthesize you know yeah. 20 years of comic book history and storylines and remember like every fucking storyline yeah. yeah and put it all together it's like he did the same thing with the toho monster movies <laughs> yes well, yeah. you could yeah, tell you oh, yes. oh my god yes. he was just a yeah. walking yeah, he doesn't forget any of that. He's, <laughs> yeah, yeah he it just it just comes out. Like he, he should definitely get his PhD in American cultural studies. He wouldn't have to study. He just he just write out what he knows. <laughs> you know. I think let me doctorate. Go ahead. I was just, just going to say with Spider-Man, one other thing I just want to mention, and that's Steve Ditko, um, you know, because they tried to get Jack Kirby to draw it. And Jack Kirby's like, ah, it's not working. I don't know what to do here. So they go and get Steve Ditko. And I think that's one of the distinctive uh, elements of that comic, as well as when he goes into what's the other one he does? Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. right? His style. Oh, yeah. And I think his style is every bit as influential as uh, sure um, is. as Kirby. Kirby's. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think Kirby gets yes. a lot of credit. And I actually, if you watch Kirby prior to Steve Ditko coming in and then you watch how exaggerated and crazy a lot of those poses get you're like yeah you're like okay <laughs> right he's, he watched he's looking at Ditko so and here's I another Ditko artwork yeah. Ditko yeah, yeah. I well, think and, Ditko and, was looking at Kirby too I mean another so yeah an, another feature that that was really really drew me into the whole Marvel universe early on uh, that was totally different than 
DC. I read DC when I was a kid, and I kept. I continued to read DC even after I started Marvel because DC did have the 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 individual issues. You know, it, it got a little annoying sometimes that you had. You know, you had to go back and read three issues to know what this story is. But you can read it. You can pick up any DC comic pretty much and read it and not have to worry about it. You know, they were standalones. Um, but the other thing that really set Marvel off was what you're talking about, Kirby, Ditko, the the the, the de- level of detail that is in those drawings. When you looked at those first ones, you go, I, I went, holy shit, look how, look at, I can look at one panel for 10 minutes, you know, where, right. where in a DC, you look at one panel for two seconds and then you move on, you know, because there's nothing of real high visual interest. But they just, you know, all that layering that they did, you know, that was a, that was a big deal too, you know, and very, very much all my friends there, we all talked about that. You know, look at, look at the detail on this, you know, this is so you know, great. A lot of it, this sticks out in my head it's machinery it's his yes machinery. yeah yes. you know just yeah. or the yeah just the items themselves <laughs> yeah. the cutaway yeah. of the baxter yeah. building with yeah. all the levels of yeah. the quarters <laughs> yeah. you could really like this was a real place or or galactus's you know? starship you yeah. know his uh, yeah. yeah it was kind of cool and, and you know like you said gadfly i had two of the paperback spider-mans like the one and two they had the first six issues that was my first spider-man comic book was that little paperback and i've read that thing like i must have read that a hundred times but you know they also included the like showing a, how spider-man's utility belt like what you know that he was wearing with a camera and a light feature and like the where his web cartridges went because in his drawing there's no bumps he should be bumpy as shit but he's not you know so like <laughs> th- that was really that was awesome as a kid to have all those things and the same thing with the fantastic four the the cutaway the baxter building all those secret kind of stuff you know the shield helicarrier carriers like here's how they work all that stuff was yeah. just just as a kid it, like oh, that's those awesome. are my favorite uh, stories in fantastic four is the ones that happened in the the baxter building and because there's so much weird science going on in there you could go yeah. into one corner and a whole fucking universe could open up and you could be doing yeah. all this stuff and you'd still have the family drama you know yeah yeah, um, yeah. with yeah. with all of them uh, and that kind right. of stuff um i think the uh the other thing that we have with Marvel is that we have the ambassador of comics. We have a personality that is associated with those comic and that universe all the way through it. Well, all of them. They start talking about everybody that's creating the comics. They're talking about King Jack King Kirby and they, you know, Stan the Man Lee and and you know all these uh, other things. I think that the bullpen shoutouts. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, the, you yeah. Get to became, know who the editors and the personality. writers. Personality. Yes. Yeah, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and and also the way the Stan no Lee prize. The no that, prize. So that was that one that when I was a kid, man, we just laughed our ass off. Hey, we're gonna give him the no prize. I love that. That was great. Well, and that's because what it, what what it involved was a relationship between the the viewer, the reader, the fan, and the creators. And right. here comes Stan Lee, off the bat, saying face front true believers and like introducing himself and saying look you are part of the marvel family you're one of us we're going to include you and everything and then they'd started doing that with those little side notes yes on the panels like they're gonna because they're they're telling stories that connect the whole universe together so if you didn't read a hulk issue there would be a spider-man like he makes reference to something that happened to dr bruce banner on the back corner says see hulk issue 132 smile and stand oh yeah you'd make that list out oh fuck okay yeah Yeah. i'm like i didn't read that one i gotta go get this now 
you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excelsior. <laughs> yeah, and so his soapbox would allow him to talk about those things and like yeah. let everyone know what's going on. But you felt part of a community. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I yes. felt like I was part of this community, and the bullpen was some magical place, like where all the writers and artists are. I'm like, it must be the best place in the world. Like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, you know. And, and so no, that's how as a kid I, I felt included in something bigger than myself. Boy, in a way that did that too. Yeah. Got that feeling going. When, For famous you know, monsters. Like, yeah, he got that well, thing going. Yeah. Well, let, and, <laughs> talking about that, let's talk about another comic book of that day, Mad. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my mm. gosh. You know, that was that was huge when I was a teenager, you know, young. that And just I great. Guess, it yeah. was one of, the, one of the things. I always bought the Mad. You know, it was Peter Parker, Mad. <laughs> And Doctor Strange, whenever the fuck he came out, you know, um, um, he, the, the yeah, most he was, maligned character. In well, he was uh, there was a whole bunch of them. They tried to expand the universe. It was Doctor Strange, Daredevil and uh, the, uh, the um, X-Men. Um, they yeah. were they were all went to bi-monthly. Um, and then they all I think uh, two of them went on hiatus. I think it was X-Men and Daredevil went on hiatus for like two or three years. And then when was that? Back. Like late sixties or something like that. I think they, you know, um, oh, I could be. I know yeah. the X Men took off for a while because they didn't come back to like nineteen seventy four or five right. somewhere where Claremont takes over again. Yeah. But they stopped in the sixties and then just kind of b- broke off and didn't come back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Re- I wasn't reading a lot of comics in the late sixties. Um, you know, that's probably why I don't really remember what was going on at that time. But let's did, talk about, uh, you know, let, let, let's go ahead. Go ahead, Tar. Oh, I was going to, when did Golden Key start coming on the 62. Scene? 1962. I remember a lot oh, of yeah? Golden yeah. Key. I, I yeah, remember like yeah, that's the true. Robot, robot Fighter. <laughs> yeah, Magnus. Magnus. Yeah. Magnus Golden Key is a, another publisher. 62. Yeah. Fellow yes. inmates. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because um, there was Harvey Harvey Comics, yeah, comics came yeah. out with with like kid titles like Casper Richie and Rich. Hot Stuff, Richie Rich. Yeah, um, but they also Harvey also did uh, you know did comics that were superhero comics over time, and we also have um, Charlton. King. Yeah, Charlton. Charlton. Charlton was much yeah. earlier. Charlton, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Charlton Fawcett was still around. Uh, Charlton, uh, no, Fawcett had been incorporated into DC by time, this time. But Charlton was still making, and these are all what I consider like lower budget comic books. You could tell the difference in the artwork just wasn't as good in these Charlton titles. Um, but they had stuff like they did horror, like monster books in the early 70s. Yeah. Uh, and, and my mom was, you know, she would always buy me like hot stuff and Casper books like when I was like 10. You know, I'm like wanting to read more Marvel stuff and she'd always get me these Harvey books because that's what she liked you know oh, mom I know I still love hot stuff I was like yeah. okay I'll still read it it's very comforting to read these books but uh, yeah I get it well, let's, uh, so- let's let's talk about I mean if there's something I would the thing that the, kind of a, a dark area of comic books um, and actually culture um, overall was the lack of ethnicity mm. in the comic books yeah. and the lack of gender. Yeah. Um, how many um, role models were there for girls growing up? You know, um, it was like, I want to get married. That was those books. Yes. <laughs> and there was plenty yeah. of gender. It was just one, you know, it was just yeah. male. Well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. But the, yeah, the role models were like to be a wife, you yeah. know, or girlfriend. 
a secretary. Those are the stories. Like all, all the romance books were aimed for girls. Yeah, you know, and they kind yeah. of try to codify those that fifties kind of morality of the mores. Yeah, into the population. I think Seuss, like Wonder Woman, was still around. Well, Wonder Woman as, was would, as yeah. a hero. As yeah, um, and she changed but a yeah, lot in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, she went through that phase where she gave up. You know, she became Diana, the fashion model. You yeah. know, and, and that, <laughs> she lost her powers. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. but before that, she was just getting tied up an awful lot. Um, well, okay. You know. So, I, 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 slight digression here on that one. It's because that I think Wonder Woman as a comic character, I think, could be its own episode that we discuss because Marston was very, very, very pro feminist. If you look into his history, it's just like yeah. bizarre and some of the stuff that he was trying to work into the comics the whole notion of loving submission well but wonder woman was a very she has two phases the first phase where he's pushing all of this sort of like you know this this very feminine positivity in the book which was pissing a lot of people off and then there's the whole submission thing which mm, and then after he dies the character i would say died with him and then kind of turns into oh well i'm just kind of like doing this thing and i'm getting kidnapped and boy what's steve doing oh i love steve i wish we would get married and starts going down that romance stuff and and even to the point where dc was basically one the wonder woman title in the 50s was where comic artists and writers went to die. I'm like, if you got assigned Wonder Woman, you piss somebody off or you're on your way out. <laughs> and so they they basically just kept the title so they could keep the copyright, you know, to yeah. the character. Um, and so, yeah, that Feather, you're absolutely right. There, Any female character that was brought up in the golden age and somehow survived into the 50s was just there. There, there wasn't anything. And then there are no people of color at all. Really, until we uh, get to again, Marvel, 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 yeah. Marvel, right? Yep. When we when we have Marvel starts bringing in 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 right. uh, social consciousness. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. We have Jungle Tales, um, which introduces the, the Black Panther and that yeah. whole mythology. Um, and then, but I think the first character I remember reading as 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 a kid was Captain America and Falcon. Yeah. And you, you know, know what? And I I loved that comic yes. book. I mean, Captain America was like was my favorite. Yes. For book for about five years. I yeah. just, I mean, it was voracious during that era. And it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, because then they really, they yeah, say, there you go. Yeah. They, they, and that's what I noticed, you know, because as a kid, I, I lived in a very white town and it didn't have any kind of real exposure to other culture and identity. So, um, so hearing the way that Marvel was portraying these African-American characters, I could see their language was different. Their concerns were different. I mean, I didn't live in a city. I wasn't I didn't know what the ghetto was when I was a kid. But then when I go back and read these comic books now, I see it right there. They were talking about they were criticizing the social conditions. They were talking about freedom and equality. Yeah. Big, big, heavy issues um, in this comic book as a, as. A, a, an important component, not only of the character, but the ongoing storyline. Well, and reflecting the times, yeah. um, you know, they were a reflection of the times because it was, you know, that was all becoming part of the social consciousness, you know, that, that white people weren't the only people in the world, you know, um, it's, and, but and women DC, still, even, right. even Marvel, Marvel did okay with women, but still they didn't, you know, women have never, never really gotten their true, true, uh, 
representation. Right. Thank you. <laughs> representation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, because yeah. you know DC tried to bring in they were they were aping Marvel and trying yeah. to do some of the the social commentary because that really started, I think, one of the earlier ones is when Marvel when Stanley wanted to do the anti drug. Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. issue because that was the comic books authority. Like, you can't mention drugs. He's like, but it's against drugs. Right? Like, no, 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 no. So he yeah. does it anyway. Like, and didn't carry the seal. And they're like, oh, nothing's not, not going to sell. And it, lo and behold, it did. So here yeah. comes DC. Like, what the fuck can we do? Hey, let's make Speedy a junkie. junkie yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So and then, but then they started trying to ape Marvel's social commentary, and then it comes up in Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Our traveling or, heroes. Uh, right. Right. And and. We see, you know, the great issue where where Green Lantern is there and he's talking with this, you know, uh, African-American gentleman from Earth. And he's like, you know, you fight for the blue people, you fight for the green people, you fight for the orange people. But you ever fight for the the black and the brown and the yellow and the red people, you know, here. And they were trying. They were trying, um, you know, trying to like realizing, oh, wow, we can really we can do something important here. Um, You know, it's clumsy. But it, but it's it's an effort. They're trying, you know. Yeah, true. Because we can bridge that all by by saying, a lot of these stories were still being told by white people. It's like we didn't have people of color really getting in here and being able to tell the stories that they needed to tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. So. Yeah, because they weren't. The, it, it's still a business, no matter what. Yeah. And that's the people true. buying the comics were white people at that time, and that's why they were, you know. But yeah, what I'll say about. Uh, Captain America and Blue Falcon was I was not interested in any comic book that didn't have both of them. Blue Falcon. It. Yeah. Falcon. Or Blue Falcon. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> the no, Falcon. Very different book. Yeah. The Falcon. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Falcon. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Right but <laughs> yes. Uh, but I love those. And I like the fact that they didn't like try to treat Falcon as a black man. They didn't like keep saying, you know, like it was he was like an equal to Steve because Steve yes. at that time had no powers. That was like when his powers had disappeared. So he had no super serum or anything. He was just a dude uh, with a shield. Yeah. Um, then, I like that. The, I like that. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Well, then, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Finish. Yeah. No, I just going to say, uh, it, would just, it just brought up another, another memory about during the time period, that time period yeah. of uh, a TV show that was very popular, uh, starred uh, uh, Robert Culp and yeah. <laughs> Bill Cosby. Um, <laughs> Um, I spy. Um, well, I think the spies would like you, some Joe. If you want, no, if you watch that show, it's good. His his race has absolutely. I don't know if it's ever mentioned, ever. He is just a person. He's just a person, you know. He and it's never brought up, you know. And and for the sixties, uh, I mean, that's pretty yes. amazing. That would oh no, I, when I. And I'm, I'm watching it and just thinking, yeah, this I love this. That's the way you know the way you you would actually want it, right. um, at least from from a, my perspective of the, at the time, you know. Um, but yeah, I, that that so that that you know that Marvel brought that in pretty much. I thought big time. I mean, Marvel was there again, you know, more into the socially <laughs> conscious and just looking at you know their their finger on the pulse of what's going on and and you know uh, to uh, to you know. Stan Lee's credit, I guess, over everybody, you know, the guy was a, you know, pretty much a genius when it comes to that. Kind of thing. And they and they they maintain that, you know, with a, a small gap in the early '90s where they didn't have anything to do with any of that kind of shit, you know. Other than they started to infuse a lot more uh, uh, characters of color, but if you look at the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's done some pretty interesting things with both uh, women 
gender and race, especially with making Wakanda like the most sophisticated oh, yeah. society on the face of the earth, like way beyond everybody else. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't. I never got the context when I was reading Black Panther as a kid, uh, you know, of uh, uh, all the social consciousness. I, I, I just didn't. I didn't understand right. it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get it. I just thought he was a badass character. Yeah. I just thought he was like, I love the look, and he the cool. look of the costume. Yeah. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. You know, the simplicity of it and just how bad he was. Just a great character. Um you know, so, and, and but when you look at it in the context, like yeah, the upheaval of the '70s, and to then to go out of their way to make the coolest, most advanced place on planet <laughs> is in the middle of of Africa. That's really that's ballsy. Yeah, you well, know? you and, also and, got your Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. You got your drunk technologist who puts on a suit of armor and drinks all the time. You know, uh, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, it's there's all kinds of those things that are in there. Yeah. Well, then when he when he became, you know when he couldn't do Iron Man anymore I and mean, he was drunk then Rhodey took over you know and I remember reading that issue there's an issue somewhere in, I don't know what 280s or something like that where uh, he has to go to a technician or a doctor or something to get checked out he, he's wearing his armor um, can't reveal himself but then he like removes a part of it and the doctor sees like his black skin and he kind of has this look on his face and Rhodey's like well, what are you doing he's like oh I just never never expected iron man to be black you know and he's like does that matter and the doctor's like kind of caught off guard so i even then they were still they were still working and, and realizing this this problem hasn't gone away just because we had a comic book about it and we still need to bring it up and keep it part of our, our social commentary you know there was there was a recent spider-man issue oh, i think within the last five years where I, I i think j jonah jameson was suing spider-man or something in court and they they had spider-man up on the stand and they the the lawyer's talking to him and he's like well he, he's like yeah i i they're trying to get out why jameson has such a beef with spider-man and he goes well i don't know what it is a spidey on the stand and he's like I, I really don't know i i think part of it's because he doesn't like me because i'm black and everybody just kind of goes oh freezes like that and jameson's like oh oh uh, and of course he's totally fucking with him. Like, <laughs> it's, it's that same thing where they're still yeah. going like yeah and i think this might have been pre miles morales or something like that but yeah no i i always loved it that kind of yeah. stuff that there's a couple of things with spider-man it's like they're like they pointed out that nobody ever noticed that he's actually a genius i mean uh, you know peter parker's a genius a scientific yeah, yeah. marvel and he does something in one of the like probably about 10 years ago in because he's one of the avengers at that time and he starts spouting all this stuff off and hawkeye stops and looks over at the whoever he's standing next to and goes i think uh spider-man might be some kind of genius in his real life <laughs> you know um but then they also you get uh, uh what is it dan slot takes over writing spider-man it's the best uh, run of spider-man in 20 years you know since M the mcfarland stuff because he decides to let peter parker figure out that he is a scientist and he gets part of this foundation starts making all this money and uh, the guy that uh he works with knows he spy figure out, figures out he's spider-man you know because of the inventions and all this stuff so it's a whole different way of looking at him and the whole different kind of fucked up problems he has with this kind of richness and people knowing who he is and, and that becoming a liability and all that kind of stuff. So, as I said, I think they've, Marvel's still kind of done a good job of doing all of these uh, things with alternate. But um, DC, I think what they did was Vertigo. You know, that to me was oh. like their, when they're kind of like saying, this is how we don't have to be DC, <laughs> you know, and we can yeah. do stuff. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, sports. Vertigo is was terrific. I love Vertigo. Yeah, that, I'm jumping ahead though. I'm sorry. That is pretty. No, no, far it's cool. I mean, yeah. I, we're gonna we yeah. can have we yeah. can have ongoing. This is an overall history because we're gonna we're gonna dig deep. Well, then this I, is too yeah, much. I think right. we should too go, much material. Yeah. I think we should go back then and look at uh, the the first uh, the reason that Vertigo came about and uh, Epic was because there were oh, independent yeah. comic companies that had come out to kind of force their hand to doing Dark Horse. Yeah, Dark Horse yeah, and right. uh, First. First. Eclipse. Uh, yeah, there was yes. a, Yeah, all, the, all these uh, smaller, the, the titles that came out, the independent, uh, pu- the smaller publishers, uh, those became game changers. Yeah, Dave Sims. You know? Yeah, Dave yeah. Sims. Yeah. Oh, my God. Servers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I always loved. I mean, the vertical titles. What I liked much before there even was the Vertigo. They were DC was doing like the Elsewhere Elseworlds Elseworlds. books where they were loved the Elseworlds, which which was an answer to Marvel's What If. What If was all Marvel started it with the What If. You know, it's funny because when What If came out, I I hated them. Didn't like the What If. I mean, I give a fuck about this. But the 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 Elseworlds stories for some reason they I think they were better. (laughs) They were just better written, better art. And and they grabbed me. That I I went. Oh no, these are. And then I started preferring them to the real comics. Oh, because no. I thought they mm-hmm. were just they were just mm-hmm. so cool. But yeah, I was wait, always, I, um, you know, I had a comic book store. Um, what was the eighty in mid eighties in in, in a little ta- in, little town yeah. we used to live in Wasian, and uh, it was called. Uh, um, what was it called? Hidden realms. Hidden realms. It was called hidden realms there too. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> the the, the uh, that's when all the the first started coming out, yeah. and all it, it just that those were game changers for me because I was by that time older, you know, and I was just kind of to be honest, just bored with normal comics, you know, just bored mm-hmm. with them. They, 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 because let's face it, there's only so much you can do, you know, and you've got a history of doing it already and then trying to redo it and then trying to make it a little different and everything. Plus, and then people, plus we had yeah. Al Milgram taking over Marvel. So yes. Yeah. Which all. totally kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of screwed things. You know up. how I then, feel about Al Milgram. <laughs> yeah. But with first dark horse, those, I mean, those drew me back in, you know, and really made me start to, to, to like comic books again, because here's people doing things that, you know, weren't really being done before, or if it is, it's in a little different manner and, you know, they're not quite so, uh, we don't, and, you know, there was not the, the, uh, no code <laughs> really, you know, um, they could pretty much do what they wanted to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Was th- like those, a, was a, that was like a revival of the underground comics in a way. Absolutely, it was, like, it was no, a resurgence yes. very similar to that. To, to those, to those, you know, yeah. those early, those sixties and early seventies uh, yeah. comic books were underground. No, we never even talked about though. We haven't yeah. talked about well, those. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're just whole, scratching the surface. Yes. We're just kind of hitting that's, sporadically. That's another but, whole subject. Right but there. that kind of that kind of we can do this. We can do something different other than yeah. the status quo. Fueled those independent comics, and I remember you talking up like nexus like i mean like oh. probably the second time we talked ever you come in because <laughs> yeah. you're probably wearing a shirt and i said who's that he's like oh that's I nexus. Have this, have nexus yeah and and, <laughs> and like that's when we just started talking because then you were always trying to steer me into like reading this other material concrete yeah. and all the other things that yeah you know because i was just pretty much dyed in the wool standard comic book but yeah. until coming to your store and like realizing oh there's so many so much other stuff out here you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming across and finding when you know Eagle Comics brought out um, mm-hmm. Judge Dredd, 
yes. in the 80s. Yeah, you know, reprinting old, you know, AD. In the 2000 AD. Yeah. stuff. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, this character is awesome, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and finding those kind of things. Um, yeah, well, that's a heavy metal. You had heavy metal doing all that weird oh, yeah. kind of serialized yeah. stuff. And then there, the, Marvel's answer was Epic. And then Epic, Epic Magazine. Yeah, Epic yeah. Magazine was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think what I is fascinating about like the late 80s and the early 90s is we had that huge boom, right? Where you had like Todd McFarlane, these superstars, and they were making millions off their stuff. We still had a really healthy independent uh, development market because we had like Mad Men, we had the Max, um, you had. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninja, yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, which which was a, a absolute huge huge phenomenon, huge, no. yeah. The, t- the Teenage Mutant Ninja it, Turtles. I, I don't think they expected that at all. Oh, they didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't. No. No. Like, how the what's going on? And then uh, who's the? There's that other guy that did uh, like the Wizard or not the Wizard, but uh, the Warlock or something. There's a, an artist, writer, artist guy. I can't think of his name. I can't even think of the. He did two yeah. different ones. Grendel. Oh. oh, okay. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt Matt Wagner. Matt Wagner. Oh. Yes. Yeah, it was Matt Wagner. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was Matt Wagner. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And when you you still, <laughs> still had, got it. Yeah, you still had <laughs> Cer- <laughs> Cerberus, and then you know all that. Kind of yeah, Cerberus. Mm-hmm. I love Cerberus. When Cerberus, when I started reading Cerberus, that was one of my all-time favorites. It's a piece That's, of, it's literature. It's a it is literature. social yes. satire. I mean, yes. it's because yes. it's more illustration words as it, than it is sequential yes. a lot of yeah. times. So. Yeah. And, and you know to go on and go, go back a step we, we've not even touched Warren comics yeah uh, that's you know? true I mean with uh, their whole adult that, line of comic books with yeah. you know Vampirella and oh, all the yeah. horror stuff yeah. that they did oh yeah you know yeah. I mean because then Marvel got into the and Curtis they got into those uh, magazine formats too Marvel did in the 70s with like Tales of the Zombie I think or Tales of Voodoo or something like that um, Dracula Lives these were magazine format comic books yeah that had fiction they had essays you know like reports on christopher lee or dracula you know mythology or whatever then they also had comic books or comic yes theories stories that were aimed more for the adult reader because they would have the occasional nudity and things like that so right. those became my favorite to go for you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah, so there, there, I mean, there's just so much in the '70s. That's what we're talking about the called the Bronze Age. That's when we see stories turning dark and and a lot more of the social relevance that, that's coming out pretty openly. But that's an era that I remember as a kid. That's when I started reading, like Werewolf by Night and Tomb of Dracula, um, those <laughs> early '70s kinds of books that that were around at the time. That's what drew my attention. Anything with a monster on it, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 124 with the first appearance of Man-Wolf. I'm like, oh, God, that, that that I want that on a shirt. That was just the best <laughs> cover in the world. Yeah, they played with formats, too, because you got those uh, in the 70s, you got those Marvel ones that was the, the bigger magazine form of the yeah. Hulk. And, uh, yeah. and Conan, you know, the savage sort of Conan or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, Conan. Which, and why Hulk and Conan? I mean, they, they had much more popular people. and they. But, these, but what I liked about those were the stories in the back. Uh, because I think in the back of the Hulk, it was uh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Yeah. Moon Knight. And that's where yes. we first saw Bill Sienkiewicz. And everybody's like, this is Marvel's answer to the Batman. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Um, I think that's the Punisher. I think Punisher's the, the batshit crazy uh, uh, Batman. Um, because yeah, uh, yeah, Moon Knight is just a whacked out story. I mean, if you really like delve into his background, he's a schizophrenic. And, oh, you know, yeah. I love the Moon Knight. Yeah. They're one of my favorites going in. 
Yep. And the Punisher, when the Punisher can. I, I'm a huge Punisher. Fan. Yeah. Who, what kind of badass can get away with those little white go-go boots and still <laughs> kick the shit out of everybody? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, inmates, uh, I, I hate to stop this short, but just just know we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about comic books. Because you know, we're probably at what, Gad? Fly about an hour and 20 minutes, hour and yep. 15? We're, yeah. Well, yeah. I, my so, plan at this point shocking, is... we went yeah. over again. Well, my plan is if we want to continue, we'll just break this into two episodes and scrap the history of science fiction. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't it's matter. I mean, I like... I like I mean, or we, we can come we can back to back it. And, what? Yeah. Oh, I think we're coming back because there's so much to talk about. We can. Yeah, just I, I'd just soon come back. Yeah, because we could certain yeah, we characters could pinpoint. Or eras, well, I, mean. I think we could pinpoint. Yeah. We could do a whole episode yeah, we on can first start, comics. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whole, yeah. 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 We could do a whole episode I mean, on. Got to be a good idea. Charlton and uh, how that's the Watchmen. You know how it ties into yep. the Watchmen stuff. So. Yeah. Oh, I, I, you know, I never in the '70s and '80s, um, you know, I would often find those those what i would you know those kind of comic books that charlton came out those superhero books that you know impact the, the late 80s impact with like the fly and those other ones they were hard to find i would get them like at mm-hmm. flea markets and stuff like that because they weren't on the same racks as the marvel and the dc comics you know yeah and i'm not sure where they were found because my yeah my dad would come home and i remember there's like a monster hunter charlton had some kind of monster hunter he wore like the the, the hat and like the kind of the beige hunting jacket you know and but he was always like looking for dinosaurs he had like a big mustache and all this kind of white white hair professor something you know was a monster <laughs> hunter i remember loving that as a kid even though i could tell the artwork wasn't nearly as good as marvel and sometimes the lettering it wasn't like drawn in it was like typed yeah you know like someone yeah. had typed like i go what the fuck is this you know yeah and you're but, like they hired the shittiest printer because none of those colors are aligned you know? right they're all like all blurry <laughs> they're always bad. right yeah you know they're always bad. And i'm like okay well it's yeah. hey, what do you want for a quarter? You know, oh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Well, let's I'm, wrap this up. Let's wrap yeah, this up. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. All right. Hey, let's get out of here. Horror. Oh, yeah. Wrong, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> wrong podcast. Yeah, you guys want to watch me take a dump? Say! That dump was green. It must have been Popeye spinach. Spinach. Yeah, it was spinach. You had a bleed until you put it up your nose. Okay, so I don't know what the procedure is anymore. You've been... Uh, paying attention to or not paying attention to unsane unsane yes unsane radio oh comic books yeah unsane radio unsane radio at gmail.com send your your letters and your pictures we like lewd pictures if you're if you're female, we are, we are. Back up, turn around. Unsane Radio is on Facebook. Moving on, moving on. Unsane Radio is on Facebook. We are on Twitter. 
We're on Instagram. We're on Feenster. I don't know. We're you know we're on the back of Kellogg's uh, cereals now and then. And Spankster. Uh, we're on Spankster. Spankster. We're on Spankster. <laughs> we are on Spankster. Um, and then and then you have your tar and feather. Um, tar and feather is uh, tar and feather psycho cinema is on Facebook, and tar and is one of the most luxurious and intricate and best kept website that you'll ever see uh, go check it out go to unsaneradio.com too and look at the pretty some of the pictures are pretty some of them aren't so good anymore i'm sorry <laughs> uh, anyway so there you have it <laughs> and don't forget heavy metal horror, heavy metal horror. and the podcasts and the instagrams we only got a few more left this season, kids. After 18 months, we're taking a break. Heavy Metal Horror, we'll be back. What about Between the Lines? <laughs> taking a break. Oh, Between the Lines is on hiatus for a while. <laughs> you will unremember. Unremember. You can go watch it. Unremember. there. Unremember. Unremember. I like that. And speaking of comics, on Wednesdays, check out Facebook to view We Freaks, W E E F R E E K Z, four panel comic family friendly strips with freaks. Speaking of comics, like you and me, exactly. Yes. 